Hi, hi, how's it going? Yes, we're recording. This is Nikki and Kirsty coming back at you. It's been a while since we recorded. We we took a little bit of a break. Um yep. so and it's gonna show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Apparently, because it already is. <laughs> um, but no, it was a great break. It was very rela- well, it wasn't really a break because I still had to work. Ugh. Yeah. But it was nice not to have to do the extra work. Not that I oh god. <laughs> I love. I just want to say I love doing this work. This is great. I'm having the. I'm having a, the best time doing this podcast. But you know, it does feel a little bit like homework when you have to read a book in like two weeks. Yeah, there's a good incentive, but it's also at the same time like the panic that you would get like when yeah. you, you had like a book report due. Homework panic. Yeah. Yeah. So how how was your break, Kirsty? What'd you do? Uh, my break was good. I traveled back east to new brunswick and nova scotia so that was fine um getting there was a bit of a shit show but um nothing like spending 13 hours that you didn't expect in pearson airport and of all the airports why that one in any and then really yeah uh but they don't have like their chairs in the departure lounge all have like armrests between every single seat so you can't lay down unless you're laying down on the grubby floor, which I just gave up and just did that anyway. Um, so I <laughs> napped all over the floor. So by the time we got to New Brunswick, I was like, I am disgusting and I need a shower. Mm-hmm. But then we got to New Brunswick and Joseph's bags weren't there. So oh my god, that was great. And we were told we couldn't get on the earlier flight because there was no guarantee that our bags would be on the flight. That, But my bags arrived on the earlier flight. So it was just like, what the hell? It was just a complete mess. But we did get there. We just lost an entire day. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like everything with the airline industry has just gone to shit. Yeah. And on our way back to, um, like, not even just COVID, like, weather conditions. Like, flying Mm. uh, during the winter season is chaos anyway. Which is usually why we like to go for, like, an extended period of time. Because if we do, like, lose a day, it's not really bad um and we had not told anybody that we were arriving on that day they all thought that we were arriving on the day that we did arrive so at least it was no loss to them but we (laughs) lost the day so it kind of sucked and then because of covid and the variant and everything we also were going to be going to a hockey game that we didn't get to go to but that's now been rescheduled so i was gonna say they just rescheduled it so do do you get to go yeah our tickets are valid for that so Hopefully nice. everything will still be fine. Just gotta keep dodging that COVID bullet until <laughs> until February twelfth. Evan sent me this really funny. It's been three years or however long it's been. I don't mm-hmm. even know. Time is a flat circle, and you still haven't gotten COVID. And it's just like this guy, like he's like dodging all. It looks like <laughs> golf balls. I don't know what kind yeah. of video this is from, but it's just like set to this really funny like techno song. And so it's like, I don't know how I haven't gotten it yet, to be honest, especially with this new variant that seems to be so much more like um, transmissible. Yeah, especially working with the public all the time. I don't know how. And I don't even feel like I'm that careful. Like, I don't know if I should be saying this on, on the podcast, but honestly, I like I sanitize my hands and I wear a mask and I do all the stuff you're supposed to do. and I don't really go out that much, Mm -hmm. but I work with the public every day and people are gross. So yeah. I really don't know how I haven't gotten it yet, but I mean, knock on wood, maybe I just have a really good immune system. I've ha- I also disclaimer, I've had all my boosters. I just want to say, and yeah. all my vaccinations. But I get anyway. my booster next weekend. 
I could have probably gotten it earlier, but I I booked it and then was kind of like, why would I bother continuing to check if I can get it more recently when I already have an appointment? So I've just been waiting for it. Mm, yeah, I found that uh, the second one was worse, but I still had a few of the same symptoms as the second one. Okay. So watch out for that. Yeah, the second one was the worst for me too, but um, also it was a lot closer in time the second one from the first one so mm, yeah that's true maybe your body was just like getting ready to fight and by the time the second <laughs> one and now i had heard that you like feel a little grubby but because your like body is like gotten the antibodies and stuff and it's been in there a while it isn't as bad yeah it definitely wasn't as bad as the second one but i still felt like a bit mm-hmm. fevery and i knew i was fevery because it's cold it's been cold here we had a bit of a cold snap Mm-hmm. And it was like minus 45 for like two weeks straight. It was bad. Oh my God. But um, I, ha- I had to go to work the next day. I don't yeah. know why I did that. But anyway, we booked them at such a time that we had to, I had to go to work the next day and I couldn't call in sick because I was like the mm-hmm. only one. Anyway, you know how retail is. And yeah. I woke up and I was like walking around and Evan was like, oh, it's really cold in here, like in the bedroom. And I was like, oh. Oh, because I was like, (laughs) I was like a normal temperature and I was just like walking around like, and I'm always cold. So like, if I'm a normal temperature and Evan says it's cold, then like, I'm like, oh God, I must be sick because yeah, but my break was good. Yeah. It wasn't good at the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we were, uh, I guess we, we won't be releasing that episode, so it doesn't really matter. But anyway, bought a house. Yep. And then, sorry, conditionally bought a house and went in to do the home inspection. And the house was crooked, five inches. So... It's a substantial crook. Yeah, and had basically, there's nothing you could do about it unless you wanted to pay like 50 grand and even that might not work. Mm-hmm. So had to walk away from that one. That one was quite, that's quite sad for us. <laughs> we really wanted it. But don't want to be dealing with foundation problems, to be honest. So the hunt was on again. But we have one now. Yeah. And you're moving in next. You get the keys next week. Yeah. Yeah. Keys next week. And then like two weeks from now, we will have been it for like two weeks or for two days. Yeah. And it's very a lot newer. Like, no, not a single crack. And it's definitely not crooked. So. No, it's gorgeous. Happy. I'm very excited to come visit yeah, happy that it worked out that way. And I think it worked out the best way in the end because actually the our realtor, when we went to go see this house that we bought, he says to us, so I believe everything happens for a reason. And we're like, okay, wh- why? Mm-hmm. And he says, so the house that we had an offer in on and we like walked away from, the our home inspector that we had that he recommended to us went back in for somebody else two weeks later. Mm-hmm. And there was two inches of water in the crawl space. Yeah. So. <laughs> dodged dodged a major Like, that bullet issue. grazed us. Like, we <laughs> were, like, because, like, I was, like, well, maybe we can still get it. Like, the houses have structural problems. Like, we live in Regina. That's, like, literally what all the houses, all the, every single house has structural problems in Regina. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. we're built, we're built on clay. So it's, like, it's, like. Yeah, anyway, I don't really understand it all, but... There's a lady I work with who is from Regina, and I had said something about um, being concerned about the basement. Sorry. (laughs) And she was like, oh, every house in Regina has basement problems. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, 
I'm not going to turn around and tell them that. They probably know that already, but like... Yeah, well, yeah, we learned that after yeah. going to see like millions and billions of houses. I don't know. I don't think we actually went to see that many, but I was getting really stressed out because it seemed like they're, like every single house we were seeing, it was like, I hate it. I, there's nothing about it that I like. Yeah. Um. So even this house is honestly, it's beautiful. I love it. And yeah. I don't regret it at all, but it's nothing like I would have thought. I would have bought because it's nothing like my parents house and that's really all I have to compare it to oh yeah I and... love it if I could pick that house I would pick it 1000% well I'll tell you it's built by like a company and they there's like 17 of them on the street it's because it's like a newer oh, okay. area like yeah. it's like a newer <laughs> development so like mm-hmm. that's kind of the thing that I didn't want like I didn't really want a new house like, yeah like more like I... a fixer-upper kind of situation not even necessarily a fixer-upper like I'm, fi- I was fine with doing renovations, but mm-hmm. like I don't know. I just thought I would get an older house. Yeah. I like I like older houses because I think that they have a bit more character. But like I didn't want anything too old because mm-hmm. there is also like a really nice area in Regina. It's way too expensive. Like we couldn't like there's no way we could afford half the houses in that area. But like it was all built in like well we'll take you through it. You pro oh yeah cathedral you stayed I, there. I stayed there yeah for the wedding. Every single house when we. Like, because we were just wandering through the area because we had, like, a few days before your wedding. Like, all the time wandering through, I was like, I like that house. I like that house. I could live there. We should make Those... a move here. But we were also in Regina in September, and I mm. this body could not cope with Regina in the winter. Um, yeah. Honestly, I know everybody says this, and it's really annoying, but, like, the the damp cold in Vancouver is worse. And that's the same as, like, the wet cold in Nova Scotia. Yeah. The wet cold, I think, people don't realize how shit that is until they live there and they're like "Mm." but then like vancouver is like just wet all the time so maybe i wouldn't mind regina if it's just cold it's dry yeah Mm -hmm. and like i don't know i didn't find it too bad like in like lawrence like that area where we were living Mm -hmm. in the valley um but like on the waterfront i like er like anytime we were there like past dark i would be like we we have to leave i'm too cold yeah because, like, the water, like, the winds coming out from the water is always, like, well, I feel like that's really anywhere you go that's, like, on the water. Mm-hmm. I remember going out for somebody's birthday, like, mid-February. Oof. And, like, what you wear, like, we were going, like, to some bars and then to, like, a club. And, like, how much layers I was wearing out was a lot. And then you would see girls walking along the street with, like, nothing on their legs. And I'm, like, how? How do you have nothing on your legs? Like, it's so cold young- outside. Yeah. Yeah. But I've always been old, so like yeah. I've never been like, Oh, I need to wear like this. Like I'm like, I'm gonna wear what's cozy and comfortable. And the occasional times that I have been like, Oh, I'm gonna wear this like really nice outfit, like it doesn't matter if I get cold. I complain the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it's just yeah. not worth it. Not for me and not for the people around. I don't know. I see these kids like this like it was like that really cold snap and this girl i saw her i was driving and she was walking down the street she was wearing literally just a hoodie and crocs on her feet and i'm like girl i did see that people have now like fur like fluffy crocs but there's nothing on this planet that would make me wear them no so and i don't think there's enough fluff to make me be okay with that in the not in minus 45 no and i was like it's just not worth it to be cool anymore like i don't care so no. I just I would just rather be warm mm-hmm. and yeah anyway so like I think I would rather like I don't know if I'd rather have this winter than Vancouver but I think I would rather have this winter than Nova Scotia because mm-hmm. 
I I hated digging out every day. That that was my issue. Yeah. Like having to dig out like every other day. Well, I think the the one winter that we were there was like especially bad, but it was like literally every other day there was a huge snowstorm, like a snowstorm like up past my hips. Yeah. I'd have to dig out the car every single day. And I was like, I'd I'd rather have minus 45 than this. You lived there the winter that I think that there was um, snowstorms like every Wednesday. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was the worst year. Yeah, I hate that. But that also happened to us, actually, ironically, that happened to us also in Vancouver because the first winter that we lived in Vancouver, it was like a snowstorm every two weeks and they never get snowstorms. No, the whole city shuts down, which it's like, and not just to say the whole like area because it's made up of like multiple cities. Um, Yeah, I'm so glad when we went home, like we're back east for Christmas it wasn't too bad. There was like a couple little storms, but like it wasn't anything like major. It was just like a sprinkling of snow here and there and stuff. Um, except for the day that we were leaving. But during that whole time, the whole like Vancouver metro area got a huge dumping of snow. And like even when we flew back here, it was like the fifth mm. of January, they still mm-hmm. had snow. We flew mm-hmm. into snow and we were like, Wait, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get two weeks of snow in like February and that's it. Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not sure I'm on board for this. Yeah. Like, this is not okay. Um, but yeah, I am. The day that we flew out of Nova Scotia on the 5th, we flew out at five in the morning, which I'll never book a flight that early again. That was so silly because local time, Vancouver time, that we had to like get up in the morning was like 11 p.m. And then we didn't like sleep on the plane or anything like that. So we'd been up from like local vancouver time 11 p.m until like 8 p.m the next day it was something silly but yeah when we were in toronto because we had to um connect in toronto again we were having breakfast and they were saying like anybody in flights for like moncton that it's at 2 p.m and 10 p.m please like come to the desk we're trying to put you on the earlier flight if possible And I was like, if you're somebody who's flying from, like, Toronto to Moncton, there's no way that you would have been at the airport at, like, 7 in the morning for a 2 p.m. flight. Mm. So they're only talking to the people that are connecting because they canceled those two flights later in the day because there was so much snow. Um, And we made it out, I think, by, like, 8 a.m. All the flights out of Halifax were canceled. So we left at 5. So we, like, made it out in good time, but... I was just like, oh my god, that would have been a nightmare situation to have dealt with. Yeah. So I'm only glad we had one nightmare situation, and that was just getting there. It's a shame it wasn't on the way back, because then that's where you have like more tolerance of like yeah. having the shit hit the You're fan. You're just going but... back to fucking Vancouver, so who gives a shit if you don't make it when you thought you yeah. were going to? Yeah, and I still had the whole weekend too, so we flew on a Friday, so I wasn't back to work until the Monday. So it would have been a couple days layer it wouldn't have been a problem but yeah okay i so i'm looking forward to the fact that right now we have like spring fall like it's a bit chilly but like it's not too bad weather but we still have winter to come (laughs) but i feel like we've just came out of winter in here so like oh it's just the worst feeling when i know that we're gonna have two more weeks of cold at some point yeah yeah I'm ready for the spring. January and February are like the worst months because there's like holidays are over. So there's nothing really to look forward to. It's just cold and miserable and the worst. Okay. But also Mm. I found out something and uh, over the break and I think I have a superpower. Okay. Okay, Listen to this. 
So remember when we first like kind of were talking and we had our first girls night yes. and I was reading the I'll Be Gone in the Dark book? Sure. Okay. Well, anyway, I was reading. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. So anyway, doesn't matter. That doesn't really matter, but I'm just trying to set up the the situation here. Okay. I was reading I'll Be Gone in the Dark and literally like I started it and that week he got caught. Do you remember that? Yeah. Because when you came over for the girls night, we were talking about it. I don't remember that, but yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, did I do it? Me, me reading about it. Maybe, maybe that caused him to be caught. Yeah. Okay. I have more to back it up because over the break, we and uh, me and Evan and his parents watched the jinx on netflix okay. or no sorry not netflix it's on it's hbo so it's on crave yeah um and i think you said that you haven't seen it but basically i have not it's about this guy robert durst who's just like super or part of a super rich family and he gets like acquitted f- for murder and then i've heard of robert durst yeah. he he the name sounds familiar was like ended up being arrested anyway mm-hmm. so we watched that like last weekend or two weekends ago i can't remember and then Monday after we watched it, he died. So I think... Oh, that's maybe what I heard because I the name sounded familiar. Yeah. I think I maybe saw that he had um, died. Mm-hmm. He died in prison. Wow. And I'm like, okay, it must be me, right? Definitely. I need to start, <laughs> I need to start consuming all of this true crime, like unsolved mystery stuff because me consuming the content obviously is causing all of Results. The- yeah. Yeah. It's a butterfly effect, yes. right? Yes. So... Uh, yeah, that's what I learned over the break is that I have a <laughs> superpower to get serial killers and rapists caught. And Evan is like, maybe you should start like hiring yourself out to like police agencies. <laughs> like, yeah. So hit me up if you need. <laughs> I'll read your case file for you and I'll maybe it'll uh, shake something loose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Anyway, I was just like, that's so crazy that it's happened twice that like. Yeah, that is a little, a little strange that it's happened twice. I'll, I'll keep an eye on it, and I'll let yeah. you know if it happens again, because if it happens a third time, then it's definitely me. Yeah, and then we we need to, like, start, um, like, gaining on that somehow. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, 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 so that was my break. Pretty, pretty good, pretty relaxing. That's it. Anything else you want to yeah. talk about? Are we gonna, mm-hmm. are we getting into it? No, I was just gonna say, so, during the break, I started reading our read-along book. <laughs> Yeah. What a brilliant segue. Yeah. So natural. The naturalist segue. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this week we are going to be doing the same book and hopefully you read it as well. I don't know. I feel like maybe we didn't give you enough notice, but <laughs> we're st- Yeah, maybe not, but that's okay. We're still learning, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, and maybe I was thinking because we haven't had like nobody's written in or anything like that, so ouch. But um, maybe we can do like if anybody does after this, maybe we can like do a little mini sode or something with like what what our listeners had to say about the book. Yeah, or if we like missed anything and they want our opinion on it. I don't know if anybody actually wants our opinion, but mm. yeah. <laughs> if they do, well, then. Um. Any? Yeah. So, um, our read along episode this week is. Beautiful World, Where Are You? by Sally Rooney. Yay. Kirstie's favorite. And this book only came out, what, a couple months ago? 
I should have looked this up before. 2021. I think it was October, but I might be wrong. Oh, yeah. September or October, I think. Yeah, the copyright doesn't say. It just says 2021. Yeah. Yeah, so it came out last year at some point, but it was late last year. And it is, I suppose, well, I could read the little um, cover leaf synopsis-y thing. Mm -hmm. Go for it. So, Alice, a novelist, meets Felix, who works in a warehouse and asks him if he'd like to travel to Rome with her. In Dublin, her best friend, Eileen, is getting over a breakup and slips back into flirting with Simon, a man she has known since childhood. Alice, Felix, Eileen and Simon are still young, but life is catching up with them. They desire each other, they delude each other, they worry about sex and friendship, and the world they live in. Are they standing in the last lighted room before the darkness, bearing witness to something? Will they find a way to believe in a beautiful world? Yeah. Yeah. So also, like, the whole cover is just, like, very aesthetically aesthetically pleasing. I love the colors. It's very nice. I like it. Yeah, I feel like... Oh, God, where to start? Okay, well, for one thing, I just want to say I fucking loved it. Yeah. And you might get mad at me for saying this because I know that Normal People is like your favorite book of all time, but I like way better than Normal People. Blew Normal People out of the water, I thought. Okay. I don't agree, <laughs> but um, that, I think that was to be expected. I really did enjoy it, and I would definitely um, consider that it was probably like a five star for me. Oh. I really did enjoy it, um, just I really do love normal people yeah. so like it doesn't quite like hit that off the the like pedestal okay but okay. i did Fair. really enjoy it and it just it took me a while to get into it yeah i um, too. i was very confused with the setup yeah with the like emailing but then you got into the swing of it like oh this is eileen's little chapter or two where she's emailing back to alice and then we go to a chapter where it's just about Eileen's life. And then we flip to Alice. It's an email from her and then it's her life. I think that was the format. Yeah. Uh, but it was like very easy. Like after a while, you you got used to it. It's, okay, these are the two people who you basically only see from their viewpoint. Um, yeah, because at the beginning, it was really, I think it was confusing because at the beginning, she doesn't explicitly say who's who. She just says a woman meets a guy in a coffee shop or whatever it is. And, yeah. and she doesn't say who, like, like, because, like, obviously in the um, synopsis, she says, like, the characters' mm-hmm. names and stuff. But, like, at the beginning, she doesn't say the characters' names. It just sets up, like, a scene of, like, oh, this woman meets a man in a bar. Yeah, and- the first line is, a woman sat in a hotel bar watching the door. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Because that's when Alice and Felix meet. Yeah, it is. So, like, it's not... It doesn't, like, set you up for, like, who this person is or anything like that. Well, it does. It sets it all up, but you don't know who they are. Yeah. yeah, so it took a little bit of getting used to, I suppose, the, like, rhythm of the novel. But, um... Yeah, I read it in, like, stops and starts. Like, I read the first three chapters and then got busy and, like, had to put it down for a bit. And then... But, like, I feel like I read, like, the main chunk. I, like, couldn't stop mm-hmm. reading it. And then, like, at the end, again, I was kind of, like, I was, like okay where where is this going yeah i got to a point where i couldn't put it down yeah so yeah i started reading it over the break and but it was more like 
once I was in Nova Scotia, so like the second half of our trip, um, I started reading it um, before I was going to bed. And I was like, oh, I don't really know where this is going. Like, and I didn't really like how it was structured to start off with. I grew to love it, but like to start off with, I was just like, mm, not a fan. But then as it was going on, I was like, okay, I'm getting used to this. And then I couldn't put it down, which was nice. I spent an evening reading one night and that was really lovely um, and relaxing. And then we were traveling. So like, I always think I'm going to read way more than mm-hmm. I do when I actually travel. Yeah. And I usually pack like three books in my backpack because I think I'm this like wonderful reader <laughs> that like is this like cosmopolitan person who's like reading in the airport and I'm reading on the plane when actually I like all I do is watch movies on my phone and (laughs) get really frustrated that we're not where we're going yet yeah so well and it's hard when you're going to see family it's like you're always constantly doing stuff and yeah doing stuff Yeah. yeah yeah so but that weekend that we had before I started up at work I like had a lot of downtime so I was just chilling at home reading so I really burned through it before I started up at work again but like those first two days back at work I read it at lunchtime and I actually finished it while I was at work (laughs) um which I like whenever I finish like such like a a lovely book I always get like a little tearful because I'm like where does my life go Mm -hmm. from now on I feel like yeah and I feel that that's also like a good marker of like a really good book is like you kind of don't know what to do with your life anymore because you're like well this was just such a pivotal piece Mm -hmm. And I feel like I need to shout it from the rooftops so, that like everybody should read this. It's like a book hangover. Yeah, definitely. Or like I'm breaking up, like because yeah. all of a sudden they're not in my life anymore, and yeah. I don't know how to cope with it. So I said the same. Yeah, thing. I definitely felt that with this when I like I like because I thought I had more to go. Like you know how like sometimes the acknowledgments are a few yeah. pages long. Anyway, so I was like, I was like at the very end and the last two chapters are only like a couple pages each so mm-hmm. I got to the end and I looked to the end to see how much I had left to go and I was like oh no and Evan was like what's wrong yeah and I was like my book's almost over <laughs> yeah I could like like I was flicking ahead just to see how much I had and I was like oh no they're literally wrapping it up mm-hmm. and I'm not ready for this to be wrapped up I don't feel that I'm at a solid conclusion point yet mm-hmm. But I also feel that, like, after having read Normal People, that I can, you can't expect the, like, hero's journey type situation where there's, like, some sort of, like, dramatic ending. And I do feel that, like, spoiler with, like, Normal People, there's not that, but I do feel now that that's, like, the conclusion that that book should have had. So this one, I feel like you did get, like, a slight taster of, like, this is the conclusion and all that, but it was still that kind of left you hanging too. Well, that's what I had that written down. Actually, I liked the ending. I I I wasn't as mad as the end at the ending of Normal People as you were, even though like it. it yeah, the first time round, it um, wasn't a satisfying really ending, bad. which I usually don't like. But like, I I understood why it it ended that way. Yeah, and after reading and like seeing the TV show of Normal People too, like that is how normal people should have ended and I've grown to be happy with that (laughs) I was just going through a rough moment when I read normal people so it just really immediately didn't sit well with me but this time with beautiful world it was good but I just felt like all of a sudden we went from like one thing to then 
this is a concluding chapter mm-hmm. and this is tying everything up. It did almost feel like it was in a sense rushed, but like I- I'm not mad about it. Like it like it is beautifully done, but it was as if like all of a sudden this is where the story ends and then I'm trying to like finish it off in one chapter, which mm-hmm. yeah. I, yeah, I can we maybe could have had a, a couple slices more, but I can see that. Honestly, I thought that it was going to end badly <laughs> based on normal yeah. people, or at least unsatisfactorily. Like I thought like, yeah, it would be like an ending you wouldn't want necessarily if you're going for that quote unquote, like happy ending. So like, mm-hmm. as I was reading the story, I was like, this is not going to go well, especially because like we were saying earlier before we were started recording how like the characters seem to be sabotaging themselves like the entire freaking story yeah like so we did like very briefly before we got on we like discussed a few little things but we were really trying not to talk about it because (laughs) we didn't want to save save it all for the podcast but yeah i did feel that like the characters themselves like at one point i was nearly like like in my head I was shouting I was like oh for god's sake like Eileen you clearly love this guy like and there's no spoiler in that at all like Simon loves her and Eileen loves Simon like just why the hell can't you just like communicate and I understand like the whole way through the book Eileen was saying like Simon is like this impenetrable wall that you can't talk to and like he doesn't give anything back which the way I read it it was more like he just couldn't get his words in. Mm-hmm. Like, and whenever he did give her anything, she just, like, wasn't listening to him. So I didn't ever see it as, like, because she was always like, think- a communicative person. She was always thinking about herself. herself. Yeah, so, like, that was it. Like, she was always only thinking about, like, how, like, I don't know. Yeah, she was kind of annoying. How everything related to her. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this dude, like, clearly loves, like fucking very ground that you walk on and then the fact that like they mentioned that earlier in the year he had like asked her out on a date and she said no um (laughs) and then she's like he doesn't want to be with me like what are you talking about yeah and i don't know if she was still with somebody at that point because it seems like she's gone through a recent breakup so she could have still been dating the guy she was seeing but maybe like Simon clued in that that relationship had like run its course but Eileen maybe wasn't admitting to herself yet that it had run its course so I can like understand why she was maybe like no I'm not gonna go on a date with you but also at the same time it's like well he clearly was into you so like Mm -hmm. cut him a break and then she's like oh my god he doesn't want to be with me and I was just like all of that whiningness stuff I was not here for that I loved how beautifully written everything was. Oh my but god, the writing. That, I was just like, mm, no. Like, every other page, I was like, I had to put the book down. And you know how like, sometimes you have to put the book down and just be like, fuck. Yeah. And you have to kind of like stare off into space for a bit because you have to think about like what you just read. That was like every other page on this book. Yeah, I do have a passage. Sorry, I'm going to have to rumble around here to like get to the passage that I want. Um, but I did, I took a note and said, the description in the book at times is so beautiful. The description of the beginning of this chapter and then the end, just amazing. So where is it? There was this one particular chapter and the way it was set up, it just kind of stood out from the rest of them for me. Okay, so it's chapter 15 and it's exactly 20 pages long, this chapter. But the way it was written out just really... I don't know, it was just kind of neat. 
Um, so it starts out a Monday evening at a quarter past eight. The main room of Simon's apartment was empty and dim. Through the small window over the sink in the kitchenette and the large window in the living room opposite, the remaining daylight touched the various interior surfaces. The silver basin of the sink with a single dirty plate and knife lying inside. The kitchen table dotted here and there with crumbs, a fruit bowl containing one browning banana and two apples. A knitted throw sprawled over the sofa untidily, a thin grey layer of dust on the upper rim of the television, the bookcase, the table lamps, a chess set on the coffee table with what appeared to be an unfinished game on the board. This way, in the silence, the room lay as the light faded, as outside in the hallway people climbed and descended the stairs, and the street traffic swept past in waves of white sound. At twenty to nine came the noise of a key slipping into the lock, and then the apartment door opened. So, like, this whole, like, description starts at quarter past eight, and then, like, the little description then finishes at twenty to nine. So that's, like, what, 25 minutes? Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, describing, like, the calm, like, you never really hear of, like, a descriptor of, like, a room that is not, like, occupied by the characters Mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was kind of magical. This whole chapter is within that kitchen living room area. Mm -hmm. It never leaves it. It's always just, like, that area. And it's almost as if, like, it was like a a sitcom TV episode where you're just looking into that one room. Or it's like a camera looking into that room. You're just viewing it. Mm -hmm. There's no other room that you go into. I just thought it was a really neat way. Like, in this chapter, like, particularly, I was like, oh, that's a super neat description. But then at the end of the chapter... It describes it again, and I just thought it was so neat. He was laughing then, they both were. At midnight, she went to brush her teeth, and he turned the light off in the kitchen. Emerging from the bathroom, she said, See, I obviously had an ulterior motive, because I brought my toothbrush. She followed him into his room, and he shut the door behind them, saying something inaudible. She laughed, and through the door, her laughter was softened and musical. In the darkness, the main room of the apartment lay quiet again and still. Two empty bowls had been left in the sink, two spoons, an empty water glass with a faint print of clear lip balm on the rim. Through the door, the sound of conversation murmured on. The words rounded out, indistinct. By one in the morning, silence had fallen. At half past five, the sky began to lighten in the east-facing living room window, from black to blue and then to silvery white. Another day, the call of the crow from an overhead power line, the sounds of buses in the street. (laughs) I don't know. It just, like, really hit me that that was just, like, so lovely that if you were just, like, sitting there and you see, like, those, like, images of cameras that are, like, in one spot where, like, everything, like, zooms past and, like, time, like, goes on as the, like, sun goes up in the sky and then goes down. Yeah, time It just felt like... Time lapse, that's the word. (laughs) It just felt like one of those where like, but like 20 pages existed of them conversing with each other. And I honestly, like within those 20 pages on that one chapter was definitely some of the more profound, like they were like, Eileen and Simon were like opening up to each other. They were chilling in the apartment. It just felt like they were settled as a couple, but they weren't actually like 
like an official couple but it just it felt like a really beautiful moment but it was just like bookended by these two like wonderful descriptions Mm -hmm. and this was like about halfway through the book um and i just had like such a profound moment with that like one chapter which is like this is the best (laughs) um like i even read out all that bits to joseph too because i was just like this is great Mm -hmm. um yeah but it just really stuck out with me um that like and I think, like, you don't often hear of, like, within books, they're, they're just being, like, an absolute, like, chapter that stands out for you. But I think that's such a, like, trait of such a good writer that I could be, like, literally, like, this chapter, her, her entire book is incredible, but this chapter is, like, beyond. Yeah. Um, yeah. I That that was for me, uh, except for there was, like, two email exchanges between Eileen and Alice that were, like, mm-hmm. they were talking about the same thing. And I think ultimately yeah. it's like what the what the book is like about in the end. Mm-hmm. So one of them is from this one's from Eileen, I think. Or is this Alice? I can't remember. I have them written down. I didn't mark it in the book. But um so it's do the protagonists break up or stay together? In this world, what does it matter? So the novel works by suppressing the truth of the world, packing it tightly down underneath the glittering surface of the text. And we can care once again, as we do in real life, whether people break up or stay together. If and only if we have successfully forgotten about all the things more important than than that, i.e. everything. Yeah. And then, but like, so I, I think what that one was about was basically like, they were talking about like how um, like Eileen and her boyfriend, like breaking up, like what is it, what does it matter in the grand scheme of things? But also yeah. they were talking about like novels and how like things always tend to work out for people in novels. But that's yeah. what that's what I was saying. Like the novel suppresses the truth of the world. And I was just like, fuck yes. Like, and the fact that a novel is talking about this. Yeah, I know. Like, so that's why I was kind of wondering like if she wrote this like kind of like autobiographically. Like is any of this like based on her own life? Because there's, like, a lot of it is based on truth, too. Like, like they talk about the elections, like, mm-hmm. Trump. And, and I like... think that, well, I, I don't know, I'm not a writer, but if I were to write anything, I would have it, like, based within, like, truths of my own life. Because I find that, like, those things that are so personal, they're a lot easier to write about. So when it comes to, like, complex relationships and stuff, like, mm-hmm. um, if you've had experiences of that within your own life, it's would like definitely embed itself in your writing i think yeah so then the other part of this this is from the other email after all when people are lying on their deathbeds don't they always start talking about their spouses and children and isn't death just the apocalypse in the first person so in that sense there is nothing bigger than what you so derisively call breaking up or staying together because at the end of our lives when there's nothing left in front of us it's still the only thing we want to talk about. Oh, fuck. This book is so good. I know. And, like, that, like, it sounds so silly, but, like, when you do have, like, that, like, great love in your life, too, like, you only ever really want to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know, maybe you don't. But, like, <laughs> I certainly do. I think Joseph's great. Um, yeah, but, I mean, but then, like, it's, it's, I think what the point that it's trying to make is that, like, at the end of it all, you're not gonna remember the shitty stuff about your life. You're gonna remember. Oh no! You're gonna remember like even if things were the highlights. Yeah, you're gonna remember how happy Joseph made you. 
you're not gonna yeah. remember like the time that you spent in Vancouver and it was miserable. <laughs> yeah. So um, okay, well, sorry, or sorry, like... maybe that was me. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> well, I think I think also like the the point is that they were trying is that like she was talking about at one point like how how can we be happy when there's all this shit going on in the world like yeah like okay well spoiler alert they talk about the pandemic at the end but um trump and like all of that like the all of the shit going on in the world that was like everybody was like what the fuck is happening yeah and they do talk like they touch on climate change and like yeah it seems impossible things but it all of that seems impossible and particularly like at the very end they they do touch on the pandemic because we were saying before, like, all of a sudden it goes up to a point and then there's, like, this, like, conclusive, conclusive, like, chapter. And that conclusive chapter, like, they've lived through the pandemic and it's, like, up to a certain point. Well, they're still living through it at that point, I think. Mm-hmm. But they're, like, reflecting on, like, the past few months and how weird it's been and things. And how their lives from that summer in, like what it would have been like 2019 how everything like has changed from then which yeah like your point about like they touch on all the things to do with like trump and like climate change and things yeah like there are all of these like beautiful moments within our lives and what are we gonna remember we're not gonna remember the fact that like you were stressed about this little like project at work or mm-hmm. um that somebody said something to you and you got really upset about it. you're not gonna remember those things you're gonna remember that like somebody made you feel like absolutely incredible like mm-hmm. you're gonna remember those moments where like you were felt so special or at least that's what we really hope that that's yeah what we're gonna remember um but i mean like on the other hand too though like when you're in that like oh, when you're in when the you're moment it's so difficult you, like there's like this it's never gonna like there's no way I'm, I'm gonna be stuck like this forever yeah and i could definitely feel like like at the beginning of the book you could almost feel like the heaviness mm-hmm. that both of them felt mm-hmm. um because even within their email exchanges i found it really hard to read not only because they were talking about topics that were like a little beyond my comprehension at times yeah oh yeah but like there was fun so that they were all so heavy and like dark and deep and they then like it kind of evolved through the book to be like not lighter but like they were maybe like their lives were in a bit more of a positive light mm-hmm. i suppose mm-hmm. um they were you, you can see them progressively getting happier yeah also on the like little thing about the pandemic i really like that end chapter when they like discuss that and like where our lives were in like 2019 compared to like now now i was like having a whole moment of like oh my good god like so many things are different and like just yeah like but theirs wasn't like in a like a oh my goodness sense theirs was more like look we have all of these things to still celebrate and like even now though we're in like this really tough time there are still things to celebrate um and it did give me a lot of things to be like yeah i'm really grateful for all of these things that did happen and it doesn't mean that i can't reflect on things and be like yeah there was some shit that happened too but like think of like summer ish of 2019 like i went back to the east coast for a while we spent some time with family then we went to your guys's wedding like there was all of these like super happy things and then we went to like ultimately some of us went to the worst times in our lives Mm -hmm. next year 
it's just like incredible that we did make it through that yeah okay like, i have i have a quote like this okay this directly relates to this so this is at the very end but i feel like it's not a spoiler um i thought it would be the same as everything else in my life difficult and sad because i was a difficult and sad person but that's not what i am anymore if i ever was and life is more changeable than i thought i mean a life can be miserable for a long time and then later happy it's not just one thing one or the other it doesn't get fixed into a groove called personality and then run along that way until the end but i really used to believe that it did yeah this book is so good (laughs) yeah so like i mean that that's just what like what you're saying about like how how it can change so quickly and i mean the example that you used was that it was like really happy to really not she was saying like it was not and then it went too happy but like yeah but i feel that that because it did that it can also go the opposite way really well too like but um, i mean like think about even think about before like the pan- pandemic notwithstanding mm-hmm. if if life had gone on just as normal and there wasn't a pandemic like think about how different your life is every year like every year i yeah. kind of think about it i'm like sometimes sometimes like when i'm like in a in a better place usually i'll think about it but like i'll be like i was wow i've grown so much yeah i was um, wishing that yeah. i would be at this place a year ago and now i'm here so but it it is hard like i don't want to discount anybody for not not realizing this because it is really 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 hard when you're in the middle of a sad or difficult time to Mm -hmm. realize that it's not always going to be this way so definitely like it's but I mean it is nice I think this will be an interesting book to read again because like you said there was a lot of parts that were really deep and complicated and I kind of glazed through it because I was like I don't know what they're talking about and I don't have the mental Mm -hmm. capacity to understand what they're talking about right now yeah so yeah I think this will definitely be one that I reread and that's I think a pretty like because I don't usually reread a lot of books so yeah I love rereading books and I definitely think this would be one that I read again but I I need some time apart from it um to then like I think the more time I have apart I'll have have, like an even greater appreciation for it Mm -hmm. I really did enjoy, like, the fact that within the book there, like, because sometimes you have in books, and I think we have noted on it on other episodes where, like, you have, like, periphery characters that come in, and they don't really make sense. I didn't find this book had that. There was a couple people that came in, but they, it wasn't long-lasting. I did like that they stuck to, like, the four core people. Mm -hmm. But again, out of those core people, I loved, like, Eileen and Simon's like relationship back and forth and I thought I think Alice is great Felix less keen on him as a person um mm. but I think that he just has a lot of sh- shit that he maybe just needs to work through um and maybe just not to be like such a jerk but then towards the end where he like more stood up for Alice and stuff um like against his brother I was like oh, okay like you are okay but like okay well I still don't really feel that he was that great of a person. Okay, I have I have quotes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like this is like when she first met him and yep. she's um this is also another email to Eileen, I think. It made me think about people who have done bad things, what they are supposed to do with themselves and what we as a society are supposed to do with them. 
At the moment, the cycle of insincere public apologies is probably making everyone suspicious of forgiveness. But what should people who have done terrible things in the past actually do? Spontaneously advertise their own sins in order to preempt public exposure? Just try to never accomplish anything and might bring them that might bring them increased scrutiny of any kind? Maybe I'm wrong, but I believe the number of people who have done seriously bad things is not insignificant. I mean, honestly, if every man who had ever behaved somewhat poorly in a sexual context dropped dead tomorrow, there would be like 11 men left alive. And it's not only men, it's women too, and children. Everyone. I suppose what I mean is, what if it's not only a small number of evil people who are out there waiting for their bad deeds to be exposed? What if it's all of us? Yeah. So, like... I don't I don't think he's a great person, but I like I can understand like Yeah, not a great person. There maybe have he's, been a few redeeming moments. Yeah, he's made some mistakes, but I don't think that that makes him like uh, ir- irredeemable basically. Yeah. But that was at the beginning of the book when he was like kind of talking about all of the stuff that he'd done like he had a bit of an a bad experience with a girl from school and he's saying that he didn't always treat women well and stuff. Yeah. But like being able to say being able to say that is like pretty impressive, but he's Yeah, that's a huge defining moment that if you can turn around and admit, yeah, I was a extreme shit to somebody. Yeah. But then there like he really kind of like dicks around with Alice for a while and I just don't really like I think he dicks around with everyone like honestly by the end of the book he had stirred so much shit like Mm -hmm. he like like he had a conversation with every one of the main characters that basically caused them to be a question everything question everything be upset like it made them upset and it was basically for no reason other than for him to just see like it seemed like it was like he just wanted to see what would happen yeah. So by the- like almost like being like exactly the devil's advocate. Oh my! Like, yes. I'm gonna provoke you. Yes. Because why is everybody tiptoeing around this question? Why can't I just ask you? And like I get that at times. Like there's sometimes I'm like, oh fuck, I really want to know like why this person did this thing. But I also have a bit of human decency that I'm not gonna just like straight up ask you. Mm-hmm. I literally wrote down that I think he might represent the devil because i ah. because i feel like he's just a shitster and he just wants to like watch the world burn kind of and i made yep. the connect like well i don't know if it's a connection but i kind of like feel like i was thinking at one point that he really reminds me of randall flag i think that's his name from the stand i don't know if you've seen the like show or read the book but jordan made me read no. the book <laughs> and he he's the devil like he's he's basically supposed to be like evil incarnate and he just like okay. wants wants the world to burn he just wants chaos basically so mm-hmm. that's probably extreme but yeah. i that like that's just what i felt because like he was just it's it, like literally like, that conversation that he had with eileen he was like kind of flirting with simon but that was also because he'd kind of like bet earlier to alice he's like oh yeah like i'll turn him kind of thing and it's like oh why yeah i don't like i don't know why so he was just basically doing that almost to like provoke alice too it's Mm -hmm. like yeah i don't get why you're doing this and then like he had that like there was that whole thing with her i don't i can't remember if it was when they were in italy but he was basically like you're a shitty person and like oh no it was when he was drunk that one time and she was like he was basically just being like, why are you so mean to everybody all the time? And, like, mm-hmm. it was just, like, he was just being so horrible to her. And I was like, okay, so this is it. Like, they're... 
done. Yeah. But then it was like two he, like, chapters. showed up at her door. Yeah. And yeah. Showed up at yeah. her door drunk and like was shitting on her. And I was like, what is happening? And then like two di- two chapters later, it was like nothing had ever happened. And I was like, mm-hmm. by the time you're I this age. I think that is like a character Alice like doesn't love herself. So like it's very hard when she loves somebody else to mm. not like. Yeah. I see what you're Recognize saying. that, I suppose. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Anyway, I did not like him by the end. And I was, like, fine with him at the beginning because of that whole thing where it was, like, what are we mm-hmm. supposed to do with bad... Like, people make mistakes. It doesn't necessarily yeah. mean they're bad people. But then by the end, it was, like, he was just fucking shit up just for the sake of fucking shit yeah. up. And I was, like, wh- why? And I didn't think... Yeah. Anyway. So he was not my favorite, that's for sure. But... No. And I also did really like the fact that, like, they did represent them both as um, bisexual people Mm -hmm. even though like like the two of them if they were like together it would have been more like a heteronormative relationship but like the fact that they were both like you knew or you'd eventually find out that alice had previously been with a woman and that like her heart was broken from that like breakup and then i don't know if like directly felix had been with other guys but i think he must have like and he was fairly comfortable with the fact um but it's just kind of nice to see within any sort of literature mm-hmm. like yeah why you didn't have to be such a weasel yeah he he was i don't really know why but then i was like maybe he's just supposed to be the catalyst like you said like mm-hmm. he's basically asking the hard questions and yeah he's making them- and in some ways yeah because he was asking the hard questions he's almost making them be like why aren't you together mm-hmm. yeah what is the reason because there's no reason yeah like so um i guess maybe so yeah I, like the catalytic why yeah. she made him be that way but i was like you're kind of a dick <laughs> yeah but they must have like worked out in some senses in the way that like they still end up together at the end um, well i mean and even at the end he kind of rede- kind of redeems himself and says that like i want to be with you despite your flaws which is still kind of a dick thing to do but like i guess it's kind of nice yeah, and I didn't really get much of Alice's flaws, to be honest. He was more of the shit. No, I th- like, I felt like she was kind of a shit, too. Like, she... Yeah, but less than he less was. Less than him, like... oh, for sure, for sure. But, like, she was also... And I, like, I don't think she was trying to be malicious. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably she, like, just that she had trauma or whatever, whatever it was. But, like, she was also, like pushing people away and maybe not being as genuine as she could be because she was trying to protect herself yeah and i think to an extent all of them did that too yeah 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 so um so like again that doesn't necessarily make her a bad person but i'm not also not mm-hmm. saying that that she should be excused for treating people poorly mm-hmm. just because you have trauma doesn't mean you get to treat people like shit like yeah everybody's got trauma oh yeah <laughs> um the only other thing that, like, I, it's not even that I didn't like it, it's just something that I noticed was her, both her books, so Normal People and this one, there's no quotation marks. Yeah. And I don't know, like, is that a thing? Like, do you know why she would choose? No? No idea. It does sometimes <laughs> make it difficult to figure out who's speaking. speaking. Yeah. That would be, like, the only issue that I have with it. Other than that, I don't really care. Um, no, like, and it's just... Because, like, if... And I was thinking, like, oh, fuck. If I were to ever, like, write a book 
oh yes, let's just throw that out the window because who gives a damn? But then I do find it hard to figure out who's reading and I really have to like either like read it aloud like inside my head louder where I'm like explicitly saying it because then I'm like, oh, okay, that would come from your perspective. Or you read on a little bit so you can figure out like the to and fro of the the conversation. But yeah, I did find it a little confusing at times. And like she has a really great like, oh my god. My voice just cracked, sorry. <laughs> um, she has a great way of, like, she has a very straightforward, like, way of writing. Yeah. Which I really like, and it's, like, kind of slaps you in the face with its honesty sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, like, so without quotation marks, it, like, there doesn't really seem to be any paragraph breaks. So sometimes it's, like, a little bit intimidating to, like, read the book because mm-hmm. it's just, like, a wall of text. Yeah, but I suppose, like, sometimes with, like, her conversation, well, she did have at points where it was, like, Eileen, and then, like, colon, she said this and this, mm-hmm. but then other times with conversation, it wasn't split like that. Anyway, it's not really a dislike, yeah. it's just kind of an interesting, like, I, I, there's not very many books like that. No, not at all. And, like, another thing was... While I was reading, I think I kind of get the point now. And I guess a lot of people don't need to have a point to the story, but I feel like I always need to have a moral. I don't know. I always want to have learned something yeah. at the end. And yeah, Ev- definitely. Evan loves like all those freaking like Quentin Tarantino movies and like all these movies where there's that. There's no point. Yeah, where, like Pulp Fiction. At the end of Pulp Fiction, I was like, what was the point of that? Like, I didn't yeah. see a moral, and I didn't really get the point. And he was like, it's just a story. It's You, you just have to enjoy it as a story. And I'm like, I don't, want, I don't want a story. I want a moral. That was like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for me. Mm. I thought that there was a moral like, to that story. Or, mm. no, not necessarily a moral, but like they were imagining it as a, a fairy tale. Like, if, if it had gone better. Because uh, obviously yeah. the real story. Well, like the whole thing with like, the, yeah, like Sharon Tate. I was just like, it was just, yeah. <laughs> I I get, I could get why people didn't really like that movie, but I liked it. <laughs> yeah, maybe that goes against what I was saying, but like, anyway, I think yeah. at the end, because like while I was reading, like in the middle of it, I felt like I was like, where is this going? Like, what's the point of this? And I felt like that kind of at the end of Normal People too. So I kind of thought this book was going to be the same, where I was like, there wasn't a point to this like because especially the way normal yeah. especially the way normal people ended mm-hmm. it was like it seems like there wasn't a resolution so i was like is this gonna <laughs> i was afraid i was afraid that my heart was gonna be broken by the end yeah. because like you, yeah you really get to know the, the characters by the end and it's like they're it's kind of like they're your friends and i was like i don't want them things to go badly for them but i yeah. think ultimately it's about like yeah finding the beautiful moments like there's a beautiful world out there it sometimes doesn't seem like it is but you have to find find it for yourself i guess maybe that's what the moral of the story is and ultimately ultimately life gets better in the end if you feel like you're in a bad place right now it gets better yeah i definitely feel that like i agree with that like there was some very beautiful moments within the book that proved that like life is very beautiful and that Sometimes you have to seek those moments out. Sometimes they happen to you naturally. 
and if they're not things that are like actually happening for you right now that's okay like it just might take a little bit of time and that maybe right now you're just not in a good place Mm -hmm. and you need to figure that out and it can be difficult to figure that stuff out but there are people out there that can help you and sometimes those are the people that are closest around you but sometimes you need to like actually seek like this is where like the people around you that you need to seek the help from would be like Eileen needing to seek help from like Simon and Alice but then in Alice's case she needed actual like psychiatric help Mm -hmm. in the hospital so like all of these different ways of then finding the good in the world Mm -hmm. they come from different sources and sometimes you need a little bit of help along the way yeah yeah I also sorry that felt like a very good wrap-up but I also do have something else to say um no keep going because I still have more quotes okay so um I kind of roughly found this quote just now um so Alice is um with Felix in Italy at this point so this is very early on and Alice was telling Felix about her best friend a woman whose name she said was Eileen she's very pretty Alice said would you like to see a picture yeah go on so Alice took out her phone and started scrolling through a social media app we met when we were in college she said Eileen was like a celebrity then everyone was in love with her she was always winning prizes and having her photograph in the university paper and that kind of thing this is her. Alice showed him the screen of her phone displaying a photograph of a slim white woman with dark hair leaning against a balcony railing in what appeared to be a European city with a tall fair-haired man beside her looking at the camera. Phyllis took the photo out of Alice's hand and turned the screen slightly as if adjudicating it. Yeah, he said. Nice looking, all right? So I can't remember if like it goes into something else, um, but... I, like, noted down that it was, like, page 80. It was, like, everyone has very different opinions about themselves. And the girls both talk extremely negatively about themselves um, mm-hmm. all the time throughout the book. Yeah. It's, like, they are both described as being very beautiful people. And they cannot see that at all. Mm-hmm. And it's almost disheartening that, like, like the men aren't lacking confidence in this book at all, no. really. <laughs> yeah. And the woman is just like, oh, fuck, what a portrayal of, like, real life, really. Like, it's so hard to feel positive about yourself in at any time in your life as, like, women. And I just, like, oh, yeah. It it just, she, like, very much notes this. Like, this wasn't the first time that I had noticed that she had, like, that either Eileen or Alice had, like, said how... They thought the other person was way better than them. And I was just like, why? Mm-hmm. Why are we always like, comparing. and I know that in a lot of times it's true, but why are we still comparing to each other? Like, mm-hmm. and I know I'm, I'm to blame. I do this in my daily life all the time too, but like, fuck, it's tiring. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I feel like Eileen too, it's such a, I can relate to her a lot because it seems like, or what I understood from the story was that, like, she was, like, really beautiful and popular in college, and she had all these friends, and it seemed like she had everything going for her, and then her life didn't really pan out the way everyone thought it would, or the way she thought it would, and yeah. she has a lot of, like, shame about that, and I feel like I can really relate, because, I don't know, I feel like 
I was one of those quote unquote like gifted kids in high school and it's like what am I doing now like am I living up to my potential and I had so like I had so many dreams and I was gonna be an author and I was gonna be like a fashion designer and I was gonna be a dance like I was gonna do all this stuff and now it's yeah. like I didn't do any of that stuff so I can like agree 100% <laughs> wholeheartedly like I thought I was gonna go down a certain path in life and it's very difficult when I still see people on social media and it's like, oh, they have the house, they have the kids, they have, like, all of these things. But I'm like, are they any happier than me? <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Yeah. But I just think that when we were younger, there's almost this, like, perception that these things will happen in a very set order, in a very set way, in a very set time. And that's not really how the world rolls over anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, that may have happened for, like, the last, like few hundred years where like everything like you had to be married then you moved into a house together and then you had children um but also there was no jobs for women too but like <laughs> yeah except yeah. for within the household but now i feel like that's not really the predictable order but i still like it's still a struggle whenever you see that portrayed all the time online and it's like ugh. yeah well not even that it's just for me it's like a lot of people i know and obviously, I, I don't know anyone's true lives. It's hard to know anybody's yeah. true, true lives. But, like, it seems like a lot of other people had a really set path. Like, especially career-wise, it was, like, if you wanted to be a social worker, you went to school for four years, you get a job as a social worker. But for yeah. me, it's been, like, such a, I don't know how to how to get what I want. And so that's been really frustrating because it's like, I think I'm, I think I'm a hard worker. Yeah, I definitely could relate to Eileen with that where she, like, I think she definitely thought that she was going to go into like publishing and stuff and it would be like this miraculous thing and it really wasn't how she thought it would be. But then also in turn, she then was like, okay, well now I'm going to be putting an essay out and stuff like that. Her best friend is like successfully Ugh. writing books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's um, got to be hard. Yeah. Well, not only that, I think, like, she felt like, like, in, especially, like, in the romantic department as well, like, she would mm -hmm. have been married already and had kids and whatever. Yeah. And that didn't happen for her. And, like, so, like, really nothing in her life happened the way that she thought it was going to. And that's a yeah. really, really hard thing to come to terms to, to come to terms with, I think, because it's, it's like, you think, I don't know. And, like, everybody says kind of, like make a plan is making a plan is laughing in god's face or something like that you know that 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 phrase maybe not no but <laughs> i do understand that like I, I was talking to different people about it and i'm like oh well you're young you're still in your 20s i'm like yeah i know but but like people that i know and i went to school with um it depends on different regions of the world too because like um in the uk i definitely found that there's like people that i maybe knew at school there's a lot of them who are like married and have kids but then a lot of people within my friend group that's not really like what's going on but like there are a few that are married have kids have houses and it's just kind of hard to be like oh well I wanted that by this time in my life mm -hmm. but you know everything does happen for a reason mm -hmm. as much as that like I hate that saying and when people say it to <laughs> me I'm just like ugh I agree that's the worst but I'm just also trying not to be like the biggest like negatron over here <laughs> because i know that like 
ultimately things will work out. It's just also tough. Like my husband's like a student, so mm-hmm. like it's hard to like change things. Um, and mm-hmm. I know that things will like progress once like that's done. But like ultimately, my life is on hold. Yeah, it's kind of on hold. I hate like saying that because like I don't want to like I have no regrets or anything about this. But like yeah, there's certain aspects that have had to be on hold. But I know that like within a year's time they'll kick It'll up. But it's yeah. been four and a half years to the uh, like of this point so it's like i the waiting game Mm -hmm. i'm not a very patient person so waiting for like this next moment and i always want to be looking at the like next thing i always need to know where things are heading Mm -hmm. and when you don't know where things are heading i'm a bit like blah yeah (laughs) the hell yeah um yeah anyway it's we, I think, I, I think all humans, but maybe it's just specifically me because I'm definitely the kind of person that needs to have a plan all the time, and I need to know what's going to happen next because I need to be able to know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It never really yeah. works out the way, and like it's definitely been like I've been trying to, even with this, I've been trying to have no expectations because mm-hmm. I don't. I've been disappointed because here, there's another quote that Eileen says like exactly about this and I related to it so hard because it was like finally he looked at up at her and said I know you're scared and maybe you really meant all those things you said about our friendship just wanting to be friends and if you did I'll accept that but I feel maybe it's possible you said those things at least in some way because you wanted me to make the other case as if you would come out and as if I would come out and say, please, Eileen, don't do this to me. I've been in love with you all along. I don't know how to live without you. Or whatever. Whatever you wanted me to say. Not that it's not true. Of course it's true. And maybe even when you're getting angry at Alice, saying that she doesn't care about you. I don't know. Maybe it's the same idea. At some level, you want her to say, oh, but Eileen, I love you very much. You're my best friend. But the problem is that you seem to be drawn to people who aren't very good at giving you those responses. I mean, anyone could have told you. Certainly Felix and myself both knew that Alice was never going to react that way just now. And maybe it's the same with me, in a way. If you tell me you don't want to be with me, I might feel very hurt and humiliated. But not. But I'm not going to start begging and pleading with you. At some level, I actually think you know I won't. But then you get left with the impression that I don't love you or I don't want you because you're not getting this response from me. This response that you basically know you won't get because I'm not the type of person who can give it to you. Yes. <sighs> yeah, like that one I relate to a lot because I found when I was younger, I was always like, I wanted I wanted people to react the way I wanted them to. Yeah. And I wanted to be able to say things to people and for them to be like, to answer in the way that I thought they would. And that's mm-hmm. never how it works. And I was always constantly being disappointed because... People just don't do what you want them to do ever. And everybody has yeah. their own perception of events and everyone like is going to feel differently about things than you do. So you can't mm-hmm. always expect things to play out exactly the same way as you think they are in your head, which I'm the queen of making up scenarios in my head. So Yeah, you're preaching to the choir <laughs> here. Like, um, I like will see like i'll be on the bus and then see like a car that nearly didn't stop the bus or something and i'll be like well this is how this whole scenario would work out if that had actually happened and blah 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 Mm -hmm. so not just 
and really into like life-threatening situations but like in all situations i'm like well if this is the way that this is gonna happen and um then if that's the case then i'll need to pack this many suitcases if i do this and then like it's just so yeah but while you were talking about all these disappointment things i was like i heard a quote the other week and like it really resonated with me (laughs) and i figured out where i heard it from it was in the latest spider-man movie Um, so good by the way from from mj um if you expect disappointment then you can never really be disappointed and i was just like yes if there's always just a thin veil of disappointment then i can't be disappointed and honestly maybe that's a like uh i don't know a pessimistic way of looking at the world but it's it's helped me it's helped me a lot just to be like you just have to let it let the chips fall where they may because yeah it's not gonna work out the way you think it is and like that's the exact same way i felt about the wedding we both had an expectation we just we were like everything's gonna go wrong we're just gonna expect everything is gonna go wrong and when it didn't Mm -hmm. and everything went basically perfect it was like the best it like we like it was the best day ever and there there's Mm -hmm. nothing about my wedding that i can complain about and almost nobody can say the same thing Every, every yeah. like, wedding forum that I was in, they were always like, you're probably going to hate your wedding. Wedding planning sucks. Like, it's, it, everybody was really, like, negative. But I was like, I loved planning my wedding because I just tried to make it as simple as possible. Just knocked my mic over. Hope you didn't hear that. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. I, obviously, I need wider books to sit it on. Anyway, but, like, yeah, so I had no expectations, and everybody was saying you'll like you'll there's oh there's gonna be something is gonna go wrong, and you you just have to expect it things to go wrong. And you know, I think if my wedding had went, if there had been no pandemic, I was definitely of that attitude that I'm like I'm gonna plan all these things, and I loved planning the things. I was very much hesitant to plan any of the things and was like dragging my feet. It, but it wasn't that I wasn't enjoying it. I was just like taking a lifetime to make a decision on things like where we were going to have our wedding and stuff. And then when we did, within two months, the pandemic hit and we lost our deposit on our venue and it was all swell. Mm-hmm. So so then I think like with us, like so the fact that our like wedding even went ahead is like a huge mm-hmm. achievement in yeah. a lot of ways. It was a very different wedding than we originally planned because there was only like eighteen people there from the like a hundred and something we were originally thinking we were gonna have. So very different, but the whole time there it was like embedded with like disappointment, mm-hmm. I think. And there are moments of my wedding that I'm like, mm, that annoyed me or little things like that. So I, it's great to hear that somebody did have that, but I definitely did not have that experience. But it was also very different planning a wedding for like immediate family to then if something little happened, it was only for the 18 mm-hmm. of us. But then it was also to me, it was glaringly more yeah. obvious because there was like last people there if there had been more people there i think that those kind of things may have just like slipped under the radar yeah. and stuff and wouldn't have been yeah. an issue but you know i'm having another celebration in a few years time so we'll get to redo all yeah. of that <laughs> so anyway. um but again the next time it'll be way less i will have like no expectations yeah. at all because it's literally just a celebration it's there's no expectations at all for how that will mm-hmm. be but this time round it was kind of like very different but also it was a pandemic wedding so it's 
gonna also be very different than like a regular mm-hmm. experience anyway sorry that was a major wedding yeah tangent. so i mean but i mean ultimately in the end the moral of the story is just have no expectations <laughs> and yeah. i don't know like i feel like it makes me sound really like cynical and pessimistic to say that but it honestly god has made my life as someone with anxiety like it's made my life so much better because i don't have to think about things anymore mm-hmm. it's just like it'll be how it is yeah and i can't change it so yeah i've also like learned because like i hate like the d word as in the d word being disappointment like that if like somebody says oh i'm so disappointed that's the worst thing that anybody could ever possibly mm-hmm. say to me so i feel now that i like set myself up for like well if i just don't tell people certain things they're not gonna be disappointed in me because then they don't know and i'm not like setting them up for disappointment so like um like a good few years ago i applied to um school to go back and do my education degree um and then i told a couple people but then i had to tell them because i didn't yeah. get in that happened to us <laughs> so i had to tell that people to and i was just like with the Ugh. house too because the first house that we got we were so excited we were telling everybody we're like look we bought a house bought a house la 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 and like the mm-hmm. whole time we were saying like oh we still have to wait for the inspection but like what could possibly go wrong yeah. kind of thing and then we had <laughs> and then we yeah. had to go back and be like yeah actually no <laughs> and that sucked yeah so yeah so whenever i'm like doing anything from like now on i just like don't really tell people because then i'm like well i'm not setting myself up Mm -hmm. for failure because nobody knows i'm doing it yeah that Um, was and then it's a surprise the same thing too like when i was applying for jobs and stuff and when i would get an interview i would tell my mom i would be so excited and then like i wouldn't get it and then i'd just be bawling to her on the phone because i didn't get it and like after that i was just like i don't want to get myself that hyped up anymore um anyway okay another quote i have um, was about so Felix. This was after I think Alex Alice told Felix that she had been in the in the hospital for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he says he cleared his throat and then and said, "I felt a bit like that after my mom died." <laughs> I can't say that like you. This is this is better <laughs> when you do it because you got the accent. Last year, I just started thinking, "What's the fucking point of life?" You know. It's not like there's anything at the end of it. Not that I really wanted to be dead or anything, but I couldn't be fucked being alive most of the time either. I don't know if you would call it a breakdown. I just had a few months where I was seriously not bothered about it, getting up and going to work and all that. I actually lost the job I had at the time. That's why I'm at the warehouse now. Yeah, so I kind of get what you're saying about the breakdown. Obviously, the experiences would be different in my case, but I see where you're coming from. And that one was just like, I just kind of made a note that like everyone goes through that at some point and we don't Mm -hmm. talk about it really enough because everybody thinks they're so alone when they're in moments like that. And even like Evan told me that he was like having a really hard time in Vancouver when we were there and I didn't know like, and Mm -hmm. I'm his wife, like, Mm -hmm. and I feel like especially for men, it's so hard for them to like say when they're when they're not doing well i feel that um this is like a general assumption but like generally for guys it gets to like the absolute worst point where they then have to like tell somebody as i'm saying that it got to the absolute worst point for me before i told Mm -hmm. anybody yeah so not entirely true but i feel that that's maybe when you're going through your absolute worst moments if it's truly like the lowest 
it's even worse for you to actually tell people when it that's like the moments where it's most important for you to tell other people but you're just like in a sense being like it's okay it's not as bad as what Mm -hmm. my like head's making me feel all the time but really it is Mm -hmm. like um this whole last like whole last year like has taught me a lot about myself but like I ended up having to go on medication I saw a counselor like there was so many things that I then had to confront but the trigger point was a moment of grief and not like a moment of grief because grief never leaves you but it just gets easier to deal with over time I don't think it ever leaves you like when people are like oh well like it heals and stuff I don't think it heals at all I think you just learn to live with that Mm -hmm. hole in your Mm -hmm. life and it never really goes away and that was like for me I lost a grandparent six to nine months before the pandemic Mm -hmm. hit so within that first year of losing that person I then like had to deal with a pandemic and I was not in a good mental head headspace and it just like exacerbated things but also there was things I hadn't dealt with for years Mm -hmm. that then all of a sudden because I had just like letting it like float along for a while then all of a sudden it was like oh because my body is now at elevated stress all the time yeah all of this other things have gone through the Mm -hmm. roof so um and as much as like i do feel that as like a society and stuff we are talking about mental health more i don't think there will ever be a point where we've like ever fully talked out about mental health i feel that there's always we're always getting closer to the goal, but we'll never fully achieve it. That we always need to be going and pushing for more people to open up and for it to be more understood or more welcome to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. But like even like those moments of vulnerability, when you admit to somebody the first time, or not even the first time, but like when you admit to, admit to somebody new, oh yeah, I'm struggling. That's an achievement and a very brave thing to do. The more times you do it, the less scary it yeah. is. And the more brave I feel, now, like, I'm quite willingly talking about it on the podcast, but, like, it also doesn't feel like I'm talking to, like, a lot of people e- either, because I'm just talking yeah. to you. But um, it even took me a while to even admit to, like, you and Evan and some of our other friends, it took me a while to, like, tell you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I was only because... I had like stopped drinking at the time and I think all of you thought I was pregnant that that was really why I told you because I was like oh no let's correct that well I think for me it's like I whenever I get into a space like that it's which I've never gone on medication or gone to counseling or anything like that but you know there's been some tough times for me over the last few years and I think for me it's like especially with Evan eventually it's like I'm just saying the same things over and over and I'm just like I can't Mm -hmm. I don't know how and I just don't want to be a bother anymore that's honestly what it what it's about and like even with my friends like they'll ask me how I'm doing and I'm like I'm you know fine and I'll say like oh you know I don't I'm not happy in my job like and it's just the same things over and over again and I'm just like no nobody wants to hear Mm -hmm. it anymore like and then I just get into the you know feeling alone and that just makes it worse like yeah so anyway yeah anyway (laughs) (laughs) oh dear Um, yeah not not a great that's kind of a bummer but hey everybody goes through it and yeah we got out on the other side okay so here we are Mm -hmm. um this one was 
kind of interesting not real like this was kind of about when they were talking about climate change but i also i just liked this mm-hmm. the sentiments so i know we have good reason to be skeptical of aesthetic nostalgia but the fact remains before that before the 1970s people wore durable clothes of wool and cotton stored drinks in glass bottles wrapped food produce in paper and filled their houses with sturdy wooden furniture now a majority of objects in our visual environment are made of plastic, the ugliest substance on earth, a material which when dyed does not take on color but actually exudes color in an in- inimitably ugly way. One thing a government could do with my approval, and there aren't many, would be to prohibit the production of each and every form of plastic not urgently necessary for the maintenance of human life. And I just yeah. thought that was like... <sighs> Like, especially thinking about it in the lens of, like, climate change, like, things used to be so much different. And granted, I mean, we we got here, so it couldn't have been that great. But, like, people would, like, make their clothes out of way more durable material. And it was, like, you bought clothes once a year or something like that. And yeah. you had, like, your nice dress and your few outfits that you would wear to work or whatever. Yeah, you had your Sunday best and then everything Yeah, else. and then, like, furniture. Like, we used to make furniture to last and now Mm -hmm. it's like i don't know we just live in such a throwaway culture now and it's really upsetting case in point is the fact that like my laptop is currently sitting on a brand new chest of drawers (laughs) it is the exact same one from ikea that we are like it's just a different size of the one that we are actually having to throw out because it broke (laughs) yeah yeah but the price of it outweighs like the getting like a one that would maybe last longer mm-hmm. so it's just so silly but then also at the same time like like i i try to think oh well i'm buying things more sustainable sustainably and things but to do that now it costs so much it more costs money. so much money and they make it impossible it's obscene yeah i had another point there but now i've forgotten it <laughs> that's great but yeah like to think of like even like the idea that we like fashions changed years ago too but you really did have your sunday best or like your one really good outfit that you would wear like once a week maybe the same damn thing once a week Mm -hmm. for like a year if not longer than a year yeah and now um, (laughs) like the fact that like we have so much stuff yeah like i don't just have like one nice outfit i have like a few yeah. And yeah, oh, it just kind of saddens me too that like but then all of those things that are like she's saying like wrapping things or like having things in glass or wrapping them up. If you're doing those kinds of things, you're also seen as like being like a hipster kind of person. Like yeah. it's like for God's sake, why do we have to label everybody like you can't win. Um yeah. No matter what you do. And like like it's so expensive to if you wanted to try it's impossible it's just impossible to and then also like but also to me it's if you're thinking about like obviously still do the things that you can do recycling and all that stuff but Mm -hmm. am i really the main cause of climate change no or is it the giant corporations that are also putting laws through that are like making it easier for them to make money and also trash the world yes So it's it's hard to take that guilt, like, to take that, especially because, like, you know, we're of the age, maybe sometime in the near-ish future, we're going to be having kids. And it's like, what, 
like is this the world that i want to be bringing children into like i don't particularly want to because i don't know what they're gonna have by the time i'm dead the guilt that i already have of not even having children yet the guilt that i have (laughs) of potentially bringing a child into this world is astronomical for the fact that i do not have a child and that it's silly to have guilt for something that you do not even have like (laughs) yeah oh yeah it just drives me up the wall that i even have that but the fact that like that exists for me because of other people and corporations Mm -hmm. like yeah okay i'm almost done i only have two more quotes okay um, but I, this is another, the one of kind of ones that kind of like your chapter about the, um, the framing of the, of the apartment. Mm-hmm. This is when they meet each other, um, when they finally meet, meet up. Okay. On the platform of a train station, late morning, early June, two women embracing after a separation of several months. Behind them, a tall, fair-haired man alighting from the train carrying two suitcases. The women unspeaking, their eyes closed tight, their arms wrapped around one another. For a second, two seconds, three. Were they aware in the intensity of their embrace of something slightly ridiculous about this tableau? Something almost comical? As someone nearby sneezed violently into a crumpled tissue? As a dirty... (laughs) As a dirty, discarded plastic bottle scuttled along the platform under a breath of wind? As a mechanized billboard on the station wall rotated from an advertisement for hair products to an advertisement for car insurance. As life in its ordinary ordinariness and even ugly vulgarity imposed itself everywhere all around them? Or were they in this moment unaware, or something more than unaware? Were they somehow invulnerable to, untouched by, vulgarity and ugliness, glancing for a moment into something deeper? Something concealed beneath the surface of life. Not unreality, but a hidden reality. The presence at all times, in all places, of a beautiful world. Yeah. (laughs) Love that. Like, yeah. And particularly, I have a very, like, very, very similar memory. Um, One of my cousins, I grew up very close to her. And a few years ago... um, when Joseph was studying in England, I went over to see him and we went to London for a few days. And at the time, my cousin was living in London and I was like, oh, we should like try to meet up with her. And I hadn't seen her for probably like seven years at this point. Like the last time I saw her, I think, was like before I moved to Canada. So like it had been a while. Um, Like we had messaged back and forth and things, but like it's been a long time since I'd seen like mm-hmm. physically seen her. Um, and we grew up seeing each other, like, every week or, like, nearly every second weekend. Like, we saw a lot of each other growing up. So when we eventually found each other, we were at a train station. And we, like, hugged and it was all wonderful. And then next thing I know, we're, like, linking arms and we're almost, like, skipping through the train station together. Like, we'd have been, like, I'd have been, like, 24, she'd have been 25. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, we were completely oblivious to everybody else, including my own husband. We weren't married at the time, but he was left, mm-hmm. like, wherever we started linking arms, he was left there, <laughs> and we were gone. And then I was like, oh my god, where where's Joseph? Like, where is he? Because in that moment, we were just, like, in yeah. our own little, like, bubble, because we hadn't seen each other for so long, and it was just, like, this little bubble of, like, childhood, and mm-hmm. it was really magical. 
like I remember when I was reading it, I was like, oh, this reminds me of like that moment with my cousin. Um, yeah. And like those little moments in time where like almost like time stands still, but there's still like shit going on around you. Like we were in like a gross train station. Yeah. And then like we went outside and there was construction happening like outside the train station and stuff. Like nothing was like at its like peak moment um, except the moment that we were having. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that also like what am i trying to say it also feeds into the kind of the point of the book that like shit is gonna be shit (laughs) yep um but like if you find your moments of happiness like that's what it's all about in the end yeah and then um kind of in the same this is my last one but this is kind of the same the same feel They had all come to see her. For this reason, they were all in her house. For no other reason. And now that they were were here, it did not matter much what they did or said. Felix asking Simon if he had ever been a smoker. No, I don't think so. Too healthy looking. And I'd say you drink a lot of water as well, do you? Conversation and laughter. These were just pleasant arrangements of sounds in the air. Eileen in the doorway and Alice getting up to pour her another glass of wine to ask her about work. She had come to see her. They were together again. It did not matter much now what they did or said. And that just makes me... Yeah. (laughs) That just makes me think of, like, our last trip to the island and how, like... Or just, like, really any of those, like, last times we hung out. And it was just, like, you just soak it all in. Like... Yeah. Every moment, because you know it's not going to be forever. Which is sad, but, like, it almost gives you a better appreciation of the moments. Because... Mm-hmm. you know it's finite so you're just yeah. you're just trying to soak it in and feel all the happiness that you can feel in the moment because you you want to remember it after when you're in times yeah. of hardship you want to remember what it feels like to be that happy yeah and you know um one of the saddest moments of like this last year was like in your apartment Oof. when like everything had been boxed up and we were like all chilling on the floor and i remember <laughs> yeah. just being like I was so uncomfortable because my butt hurt. Yeah. We were all sitting on the floor. <laughs> and, Ugh. like, it was just, like, we didn't want to leave because we knew if we left, that was it. That was it. Yeah. And the likelihood of us ever living in the same city again yeah. is minimal. And, like, we just, like, over this past, like, whole year and a bit, like, we grew so close as friends that I can, like, never, I don't think, truly express how grateful we are to have you guys in our lives but like that moment was just so nice but like i was completely unaware that jordan had also taken pictures of us oh yeah so at christmas time when he like had me a secret for secret santa um he included a picture of me and you um and and you look like you're like praying (laughs) Was Um, was the hockey game on was i praying for another point I actually don't think this was the very last night. I think this was the time before when we were packing up your apartment because I think that your coffee table's in the picture. Mm, yeah. Um, that must have been the so weekend I'm that we did the big pack. And the cleaning that I was like in your kitchen for like eight hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I literally said, I was like, I wish Kirstie was here for when we unpack because she packed everything so nicely into the kitchen boxes and I don't want to have to unpack the kitchen. It's so annoying to unpack a kitchen. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, 
um, the picture is like I'm not look. Neither of us are looking at the camera, and there's actually like this big like white, and I couldn't figure out what the fuck had flashed weirdly, <laughs> but it's Aldi. Yeah, Aldi's like this huge like white blob like across the picture. And then I'm like looking off to the side and like, I don't know, you can't really see my face that well, but I can just tell I'm absolutely fucking exhausted. Yeah. Because by the time that I oh. came out and sat into the living room, that's after I spent like the whole day in the kitchen. Yeah. Like and we were about to order food. And, like... and I remember you guys all wanted to order Italian from this place and I was like, not on for it. So Evan kindly got me like Chinese food <laughs> on the side. Yeah, we ordered um, like two from two different restaurants. Yeah, because I was just, like, in a weird mood. The picture, you're, like, looking down. You honestly look like you're praying in it. But, like, I was looking at that picture earlier today, and I was just like, you know, it felt like the suckiest moment ever. But, like, I'll still look back on that very fondly. Because, yeah. like, we were all together. And, like, the next time we're all together will hopefully be this summer, if we can make it all work, which will be great. And the anticipation of that is just so lovely, too. But... There's something about, like, all of those times where, like, you guys came over here and I made mac and cheese. Or we went over yeah. to your place and we were playing, like, um, games and stuff. Like, all of those things will just have such, like, a beautiful little treasured spot in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, like, those little moments are what make the world very, very beautiful. Yeah. I think, like, that's something that I've, like, with the pandemic realizing what's important like for so long I was obsessed with having like the job that I dreamed of like being in the fashion industry blah 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 whatever Mm -hmm. it was but then having the wedding my niece being born like my grandma's 80th birthday like being Mm -hmm. I just realized like being with my family is what makes me happy and like being with my friends is what makes me happy and Mm -hmm like focusing on that instead of focusing on things that were making me miserable i.e like trying to find a job that i loved i'm not even sure that's a thing that exists i don't think anybody loves their job i think it's a myth to be honest yeah so like trying to shift my focus has been such and i mean that's why we're here we're here because we wanted to spend more time with family and like making all of our decisions for the last like two years to get to this point and Mm -hmm. it was all worth it in the end because we're significantly more happy than we've been in years so Mm -hmm. i think i did it we did it we found the beautiful world and sometimes the world is shitty but our world is beautiful because we have each other and we have our husbands and we have great friends and we have great families so we we won yay yay Okay, this episode was still fucking so long. I know. Every time well, we were like hitting like the like hour mark, I was like, "Oh, we'll be we're done. Be a lot shorter today." <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I told Evan that we wouldn't be that long recording because I was like, <laughs> "We're doing the same book. How long could it possibly be?" Yeah, I know. Oops. Uh, um. Well, I just wanted to take a minute also because this is the first time that we're recording after we finally released. Um, I just want to say, like, we've been so appreciative of all the support, and everybody's been so kind. All of our friends and family have really been great. So we just want to say thank you all for listening. And yeah, thank you very much. And we do, are we going to announce our, like, next read-along? I think so. Let's do it. Okay, so April 14th (laughs) will be our next read-along episode. 
And that will be Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine by Hale. We should not be recording this late, honestly. No. Okay, so... (laughs) So, our next read-along episode will be April 14th, and the book that we will be reading will be Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. And we hope you read along with us. Yeah. Yay! Um, well, that's it. Thanks. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Make sure that you're rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you like to listen. I'm pretty sure we're everywhere. I don't actually know. I'm pretty sure we're on we are. those three for sure. Follow us on our Instagram at Dear Bear Book Club. And if you have any thoughts about this book or any other books or themes, or you just want to say hi, email us at Dear Bear Book Club at gmail.com. Yay! Thanks for listening. Bye!